The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. And I see that the ABC News Geelong have taken up this story, which is the Public Transport Users Association Geelong branch of closing off Murable Street to cars between Ryrie Street and Mallop Street in order to create a big bus terminal, uh, which would obviously facilitate people getting in and out of buses a lot easier. Um, and we've had everyone on the program this morning giving their viewpoint, whether it's been Councillor Eddie Contell, who thinks buses are too big and he wants smaller buses, and uh, the committee for Geelong saying trackless trams are the answer. So we've got the branch convener of the Public Transport Users Association on the line now. Paul Westcott, good morning. Good morning, Rachel. Well, uh, tell us about this proposal. You'd like to see cars out of that particular stretch of road in the CBD, which is not a huge stretch of road, but um, you'd like to see that enhanced better for bus passengers. Well, that's one of the things that could be done, I think, to uh, improve the uh, livability of Geelong and the, 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 uh, the pleasantness of moving around central Geelong. Uh, Geelong's car-dominated, uh, and the streets are full of traffic, uh, a lot of it is just going through the city and so um, is just unnecessarily adding to the difficulties of pedestrians getting around um, and making it un- an unpleasant environment in general. So it was just one of the proposals that we put put up, uh, put forward to, to improve things as far as the uh, movement of buses through the city and particularly uh, people using buses in the central city is concerned. We thought this was a possibility, although perhaps for many people in Geelong who are just totally car-focused and can't see beyond that, uh, it's uh, seen as rather radical. But of course, cities around the world, many, many cities around the world in Melbourne, of course, is just one example, have closed off, in many cases, quite extensive parts of uh, city streets for uh, public transport, cycling and walking, and kept the cars out. Um, And I haven't seen in Melbourne any call to uh, undo that. Once it's in, it tends to be be permanent and people people appreciate it. Unfortunately, in Geelong, uh, it seems to create a lot of controversy in our uh, car-dominated city. What do you think holds people back from using buses? Is it the lack of facility like you're envisaging perhaps for Marble Street where there would be places for people to get on and off buses in the middle of the road as well as on the outsides? Or are there other issues there? Like for me, I think frequency is an issue, uh, having to rely on a timetable and even, and we've spoken about this before, the routes that the buses take, sometimes there's just too many diversions from a straight line. That's right, yes. I mean, frequency is the key to good public transport. Frequency solves all sorts of problems. Uh, as you say, if it's frequent enough, you don't even need to use the timetable. But even if you have to still use a timetable, uh, greater frequency means connections are much easier because uh, you get off uh, one service and you don't have to wait too long for another. At the moment, of course, if buses are only running every half hour or hour, as they do on many routes, if you miss a connection, uh, you know, it, it means that you've got a, a half hour or hour wait for the next bus and it's not the sort of thing that's going to encourage people in the public transport. Even those who oppose having buses in the city seem to support the idea of improving public transport, but unfortunately uh, if you remove buses from the places where people actually want to go, uh, you're, not, you're not really going to improve it. In fact, you're going to make it worse. 
I just got a message from a listener, Craig, who pretty much just echoed what I just said. He says the 32, 56 and 61 all come past his house and they all come within five minutes of each other and then you have to wait 55 minutes for the next one. So that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. No, it doesn't. And uh, that's all to do with lack of frequency. Even though all those buses might be bunched together at one point, they're still running infrequently. And so it means that if you miss a connection, uh, then um, you have to wait too long for another one. And even planning connections can be a bit tedious too. But even but if you plan your connection, no matter how well you plan it, uh, you know, things can go wrong and you could miss that connection that you plan. And it's not the sort of thing that uh, encourages people to get out of their cars and onto uh, sustainable modes of transport. The Committee for Geelong in the first hour says trams are far more appealing than buses and uh, Jennifer Cromarty likened this situation to perhaps the Burke Street Mall in Melbourne which has trans, trams going up and down it. I suppose I like trams in Melbourne because you can just sort of get on and get off. It doesn't seem to be as much friction and it goes in a straight line which is kind of predictable whereas perhaps with a bus you've got to have a route map and try and figure out where it's going. I mean, what do you think about that argument or would you prefer to see buses as the main focus of transport here in Geelong? The main reason why buses aren't popular is because uh, they don't run frequently. And as you say, they often run on uh, on indirect routes. It's not the fact, it's not the actual transport mode that's the problem, it's the way it's operated. And if you ran your buses as trams, as you say, on straight, predictable routes and with great frequency, then uh, we know from experience all around the world that people will use buses. It's not the technology that's the problem. Introducing trackless trams, which are really just big buses, uh, won't solve that problem. If your trackless trams are running every half hour, uh, it's no better than a bus, a standard bus running half every half hour. There's absolutely no difference. The, the attraction of trams in Melbourne is that they tend to run more frequently and, as you say, as you might mention, on, on more predictable routes. And uh, buses are abused in that way because they're flexible. They don't have to run on tracks. They're often made to run on very convoluted routes with an idea of getting coverage, that is to you know, serve a lot of area, but unfortunately it doesn't really serve the people in those areas if they're running indirectly, infrequently, um, it's not going to attract people uh, to them. I'm just wondering what you might make of the proposal of Councillor Eddie Contell. He thinks the buses are too big and they're not occupied all of the seats untaken he wants smaller buses and he even suggests some sort of interchange on the outskirts of town and then smaller more shuttle buses to then take people i'm assuming right into the heart of the cbd well there's two things about that he quotes christchurch as being an example of that and it's not unfortunately it's a pity when when people make comments about public transport who don't actually understand and are mistaken about how it works any change of mode where you have to get off one, one mode of transport and onto another one, whether it be from a train to a bus, from a bus to a bus, from a tram to a train, any time you have to do that, it is a disincentive. People obviously prefer to be able to get from A to B without too many changes for the reasons partly that we've mentioned about problems of connections. So forcing people to the outskirts of Geelong and making them get on a bus a smaller bus is quite pointless and will, and will just put people off using public transport. Uh, and it's extraordinary that people point to the fact that the buses are getting in the way of cars. But if you count the number of cars and compare them with the number of buses, what's getting in the way of what? I think you'll find that the, the cars are getting in the way of buses and it's not the size of the bus uh, that, that's a problem in any way. The 
cost of the driver is the main cost of a bus, so you don't save much through having a small bus. And small buses, of course, don't have the capacity that large buses have when they need it. Um, and uh, although people who don't use buses tend to say, oh, I don't see anyone using them, uh, in fact, people do use them, and sometimes they use them, uh, sometimes buses are quite full. So a small, you know, bus just, uh, you know, is just not a sensible option and again it's it's looking at the at the uh, technology rather than the services and the services are the key not the technology we don't need trackless trams we don't need minibuses what we need is our existing buses hopefully run by more increasingly by electrical electric power to uh, run more frequently and uh, run on more direct routes that's the key it's the key no matter what technology you're using to actually provide the service. One thing we might be able to agree on, everyone that's been talking on the program today, is that um, a decision needs to be made or something needs to be done in that we've been grappling with different issues at where are the buses going to go, where should the buses be in the central of Geelong for a very, very long time. And it's probably time to think about how it all fits together with our broader transport picture and make a decision and implement whatever we decide to do because there's been a lot of talk and maybe not enough uh, follow through. What do you think about that? Well, the Department of Transport spent a couple of years and a lot of money coming up with a transport plan for Central Geelong, which they presented in 2019. And it was presented, among other things, to the council. Obviously, it had to be presented to the council for their endorsement, sadly, uh, by a very narrow majority. I think only one vote. Uh, council um, decided not to accept the bus proposals of the, of the report, despite the, the huge amount of consultation and the expense of con- consultants that, that uh, had, and the time spent. Uh, the council decided to reject the, uh, the bus proposals. Uh, and obviously because there was this group of councillors who don't want buses in the city at all, uh, and the DOT's proposal, of course, continued to uh, have buses running through the city as they do in all cities around the world, um, So, and even Christchurch. Uh, so uh, the council rejected it, so all that work came to naught. And since then, uh, things have just remained the same. Now, we're not unhappy about that from the one point of view. At least buses are still running into the city, into the rural street, into a convenient location. They're not being banned from the city and moved to the outskirts and forcing people onto other buses to get them into the city. So that's the one good thing about the council's rejection of the uh, DOT's plan. Unfortunately, the bad thing is, of course, that it remains, uh, if you like, sort of an interim and unconfirmed decision. So that's uh, that's the way it is, and it was very disappointing to have that all that work done and all that consultation and time and money uh, come down to one vote on council to reject it. They accepted the parking uh, recommendations, they accepted the bicycle and pedestrian recommendations of the report, but they did not accept the. Uh, the proposed bus uh, routes through the city, which would have continued buses running in Moorable Street. And how has COVID affected public transport? Because I've spoken to a few people who have been reticent to get on, whether it's a crowded bus or a crowded train. Do you think people are still just as happy to get on traditional public transport as what they were pre-pandemic, or is it going to have to be some work done to encourage people to use it? I think, obviously, there is reluctance. Interestingly, though, although, you know, Although logic might tell you that public transport could be a dangerous, if you like, place 
for as far as COVID is concerned, there have been almost no cases, if any cases, of people actually contracting COVID uh, while riding on public transport. Um, the vast majority of people contracted in social settings, you know, in homes uh, is, is, is the obvious thing. And despite the, the perceived uh, dangers, if you like, of public transport, it isn't in fact dangerous and hasn't proved to be dangerous. Obviously, wearing of masks is a sensible is a sensible precaution. But I think people can be pretty confident that uh, that catching COVID on public transport is not a problem. However, clearly it's still perceived to be a problem by some people. Thank you very much for being on the program this morning. Really appreciate it. And uh, this is one sure. that will continue to be around, so I'm sure we'll have you on at some point in the future. Yes, yes it's an ongoing saga, unfortunately. Is. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, Paul Westcott there from the Public Transport Users Association, Geelong Branch. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.